The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. So we thank God for another opportunity to look into the Word, answer your questions, even as we learn how to stay on fire for God. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you for your word. We thank you because you are our boss. You are Lord. You have the final say in all that we do, all that we say, and how we do what we do. We trust you, Father, to send us in our word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. So we're looking at how to stay on fire for God. Welcome to Daily Advantage, and um, we trust that you receive instruction and truths that will help you live life the way God wants you to live it. Hallelujah. Let's begin with Mark chapter 9, verse 49 to 50. It says, for everyone will be seasoned with fire. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Hallelujah. You know, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, the major way of preserving meat was by seasoning it with salt. So this is an indicator that fire or passion is an indicator of spiritual health. It says, for everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. You see that? So if you want to know whether you are spiritually healthy, are you on fire for God? If you're not on fire, then you are not healthy. It says, for everyone be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. All right. I want us to read in the Old King James. Old King James. It says, for everyone will be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And the Bible says you are the salt of the earth in Matthew 5 verse 13. Then it says if the salt loses its flavor or its savor, it says it is then good for nothing, but it will be cast out of a trouble under the foot of men. In other words, your influence or my influence will never be greater than the measure of our fire. Your influence as a leader, your influence as a Christian, will never be greater than the measure or the intensity of your fire. So it's important that as believers that we pay attention to our spiritual condition. See, because if you're on fire for God, then of course, God will trust you with people. Look at it again. Give it to me, the New King James, please. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out 
and trampled underfoot by men. In other words, if you're not on fire, you're useless. See, your usefulness in the kingdom of God is tied to your fire. There are a lot of people who want um, to just focus on knowledge, but knowledge without fire is useless. It says, for everyone will be seasoned with fire. Mark 9, 49. Everyone will be salted with fire. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Now, the Bible tells us that we ought to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. As a living sacrifice, you've got to understand that you have to be on fire. See? Every one of us, you have to make up your mind to be a man or woman of fire. Verse 50. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how, listen to this, how will you season it? Then he says, have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. In other words, he says, watch this, have salt in yourself. That means your spiritual fire is your personal responsibility. Your spiritual fire is your personal responsibility. So everyone needs to pay attention to that. If you're not on fire, it's your fault. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God. See that? 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Look at this. He told Timothy, said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the putting of my hands. Now give it to me the Amplified Version. Now Paul didn't say, I will stir up the gift of God in you. No. Look at the Amplified. So that is why I remind you to stir up Rekindle the embers off, fan the flame off, keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of laying of my hands with those of the elders of the ordination. So it tells me that fire can be communicated through laying of hands. See, we're going to deal with that later. Someone can lay hands on you and they can transfer fire. You can receive fire by impartation. But you need to know that whatever fire you receive, you have to sustain it by yourself. That's why we're looking at how to stay on fire for God. Amen? So Paul tells somebody to stay up the fire. Go back to Mark 9, verse 50. It says, salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. In other words, it's letting you know that one way you know you're on fire is your capacity to walk in peace. If you're always offending people, you lack fire. See, because one of the indicators of fire is your love walk. See, if you're on fire for God, you'll always be more loving. Hallelujah. Romans 12, verse 11. Romans 12, verse 11. Hallelujah. It says, not lagging in zeal, Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Why? Because every sacrifice must be salted with fire. See? So if you're going to bring your sacrifice and you don't bring it in fire, it is not acceptable to God. See? There are many people who are doing spiritual service and they don't know why don't I get results from my spiritual service because it is not sanctified with fire. 
Hallelujah. Now let's look at something here. Let's read Romans 15, 14. We'll go back to Romans 12, 11 later. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you're always, you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points, as reminding you because of the grace of God given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Watch this. Ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be what? Acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See? Whatever you do for God, if you don't do it on fire, it's useless. See? And that's why whatever you do, your heart has to be in it. Your heart has to be in it. And a lot of times we wonder why is the body of Christ not as strong as it should be? See, activity without intimacy is useless. Activity without intimacy is useless. John 15, and I want to read verse 4. It says, abide in me, watch this, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, fruitfulness flows out of intimacy. Fruitfulness flows out of intimacy. So instead of focusing on activity, let's focus on intimacy. Because from intimacy will flow fruitfulness. Look at verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So effectiveness flows out of intimacy. If you want to be effective for Christ, you must be on fire for God. And you cannot be on fire for God without intimacy with God. Are we together? It says, Romans 12, 11, not lagging in zeal, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, let's look at it in the Amplified Version. Amplified Version. It says, look at this, never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. You see that? If you and I, we want our walk to be impactful and have eternal value to God, it must be done from a heart of passion, a heart full of fire. In fact, the Bible speaks of Jesus. Jesus said, the zeal of your house has consumed me. Jesus was a very, very passionate person. But he pointed to God into the temple and flogged out those who were money changers. Let's look at John chapter 2, beginning from verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with sheep, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. The disciples remembered it was written, that it was written, zeal for your house as what has eaten me up. You cannot fulfill your destiny without fire. You cannot fulfill your destiny without passion. 
See, and that's why we need to stay on fire for God as a body of Christ. We live in very dangerous times, and it's important that we do not lose our fire. In fact, spiritual weakness begins with the loss of fire. Spiritual weakness begins with the loss of fire. Let's look at some things here in 2 Timothy 3, reading from verse 1. But know this, and in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Now watch the decline from, from self-love or selfishness. It goes to lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despise of those who are, are good. It says, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Now watch verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying his power, and from such people, turn away. In other words, fireless Christianity is powerless Christianity. Fireless Christianity is powerless Christianity. All right. Let's look at something else. In Ephesians 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Hear what it says. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. In other words, vulgarity is an indicator of a sick spirit. Vulgarity is an indicator of a sick spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, when you have a vulgar tongue, you will grieve the Holy Spirit. See, so you can quench the fire by the way you talk. See, by the way you talk. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. All right, Colossians 4 verse 6. Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech always be seasoned with grace. Notice the next thing. Seasoned with salt. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. That you, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. In other words, when you're on fire, then you know what to say. So one of the indicators of the presence of fire is wisdom. See, if you're, you're always offending with your tongue, you're not on fire. Because... If you're on fire, it means the Holy Ghost is in control of your life. So how do we stay on fire? Number one, consecration. Consecration. We say consecration is an unreserved commitment to God to make him Lord of your life in every way. If you want to be on fire, then you must walk in consecration. Do not let the decisions of riches, the pleasures, of this life and lots of other things quench your love for God. The greater the consecration, the greater the fire. Consecration is the willingness to follow through with divine process. Now, let me read you something here about how the love of many can quench your fire. In Matthew 13, 22. 
It says, now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word, and he cares of this world, and the discernment of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So God says, if I f I'm a pursuer of money, and money is the biggest thing in my life, just going after money, it says you'll be unfruitful. See? Because if you look at Mark chapter 4, and um, I believe it's verse 19, Mark 4, 19, it says, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, entering and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now notice in Matthew 10, 22, you are unfruitful, Mark 4, 19, the word is unfruitful. That's a sad place to be. See, so as a child of God, you refuse to be a lover of money. A lover of money. Now, what does it mean to be a lover of money? A lover of money is someone who will do anything for money. They are willing to lie for money. They are willing to deceive for money. And don't forget, they deny the power thereof. In other words, when you start going after money, as the goal of your life, as the sole goal of your life, the most important thing in your life, you find that the power of God stops working. I remember Jesus appeared to um, Kennedy Hagen and told them that there are many people on whom I put my anointing, and he said they've gone after money, and the anointing has become ineffective. See, if you want to be on fire for God, you must have one priority. You seek first the kingdom of God. God's, God must be first in your life. God must be foremost in your life. God must be the biggest thing in your life. See, you want to stay on fire? Then you must follow through a divine process. You must follow through a divine process. Let me read one scripture, then we move to two, then the next one. Now look at Matthew 3, reading from verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John and at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Next. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Now watch this. John himself said he's not worthy to untie the sandal of Jesus. That's what John said. John said that himself. And that's the work of the least servant in the household. Even the Bible tells us in Matthew 11, verse 11, it says the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. The least in the kingdom of God. And now, Jesus is going to John to be baptized. And John says, I need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? In other words, you're greater than me. Why do I need to baptize you? See, if you are going to walk in fire, then you have to be humble. You must follow through a divine process. See, you must follow through a divine process. So, John says, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Next. It says, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be soon now. For thoughts that is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, and he allowed him. Notice what Jesus said. Permit to be so for now. See, a lot of times, many people without knowing have jumped divine process. And when you do that, you're going to have a very difficult life. Jesus submitted to John to be baptized. Look at verse 16, please. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water, watch this, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. Why were the heavens open to him? Always study scripture in context. Why were the heavens open to him? Because Jesus has submitted to the divine process. Now the Bible doesn't say the heavens are open over him. It says open to him. See, there are certain things you cannot access without consecration. And that's why we need to live a life of consecration. When he saw the Spirit of God descending 
like a dove and alighting upon him. Notice it's saw the Spirit of God descending. And where the Spirit comes, there is fire. Amen? And verse 17, the Bible says, and a voice, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, who am I pleased. When I hear people preach this, said Jesus did nothing, the Father just spoke. Hey, we must look at it in context. He just did something. He just obeyed the divine process. See? He just completed an instruction. And the Father affirmed him. Hallelujah. All right. Number two. Desire. Desire. Consecration, best desire. Desire is a spiritual currency because God responds to spiritual hunger and thirst. See? We attract what we desire. Desire is a force of attraction. So if you want to flow in the things of God, the deeper things of God, you must have desire. Let me read you one scripture. Isaiah 55, beginning from verse 1. Oh, he says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Now, notice it didn't say come to the water. He said what? Come to the waters. The water of God is water, and the Spirit of God is also water. He says, come to the waters, and you have no money, Come buy and eat. You eat food. The word of God is food. Then he says, come buy wine and milk. Wine is a spirit. Without money and without price. That means the way we buy things in the realm of the spirit is by our desire. It's by our desire. If we don't thirst for it, if we don't desire it, God will give it to you. See? Because desire is the proof that you want it. See? It's the proof that you want it. And the proof of desire is pursuit. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, it says, earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I'll show you a more excellent way. It said, earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly desire the best gifts. You see that? So if you want to flow in the things of God, you're going to have desire. And one way you're going to have that desire is by consecration. Because if you allow the love of money or the desire of the loss of other things creeping, it will quench your desire. Now many of us here, we didn't need encouragement to win souls in our early days. See? But you notice that now you need encouragement. Oh, we've got to go win souls. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for, thank for the opportunity to win souls. Because guess what? Your fire is gone. Your fire is gone. And one way you stay on fire is by winning souls. Because every time you win souls, you ignite your fire. All right. In 1 Peter 2 verse 2, the Bible says, As, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Number three, ask for it. Ask for it. God desires that we all remain passionate and on fire for him. He is more interested in our spiritual growth than we are. We can ask him to see our love for him and his word, and he will willingly help us. You can ask him. You know, you cry out for fire. You cry out for it. I remember a minister of God, he was a soul winner. But he was winning souls to prove to other people that he was more spiritual. And the Lord made him know it was hypocrisy. So he confessed before the other people, humbled himself, that he will go after God and all that. He humbled himself. And suddenly, he said, God gave him such a love for God that for three months, 
He cannot remember whether he ate or slept. He was just studying the word of God because he was on fire. See, there are many of us here, if we were humble ourselves, that goes takes us back to consecration again. If we sincerely humble ourselves and stop acting like hypocrites, See, you're trying to make this person feel you're spiritual. You're trying to make that person feel you're spiritual. And you know, you know the struggles you've got. If you'll be humble, sincerely humble, you'll be on fire. He said he confessed before the people that he has been a hypocrite and all that. While he was talking, suddenly something happened to him. And it was on fire. And he said he has never lost that fire till today. So ask for it. Ask for it. There are many men in history that act for the quickening fire of the Holy Spirit within them to overwhelm them. It set them ablaze for him. Men like John Wesley, Charles Finney, Rodney Howard Brown, Ivan Roberts. Many men, they ask for fire. You cry for the fire. Ivan Roberts will say, bend me, bend me. He will cry out to God, bend me. You know, some will cry, Father, set me on fire for you. They cry out for it. That's desire. Remember Mark 11, 24, O King James? What things ever you desire? What things ever you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them and shall have them. What things ever you desire? So it's not something you, you, you act. No, you are on fire. You are on fire. See, write it down for yourself, Mac 11, 24, Old King James Bible. Check it for yourself. See, cry out for it. Cry out for it. Cry out for fire. Psalm 119, verse 156. It says, Great are your mercies, your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Remember what he said? Revive me. According to your judgments, revive me, revive me. That means stay, stay within, stay me according to your word. Give me verse one five nine, one one nine one five nine. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. See this guy is crying out for fire. In Philippians one verse nine, the Bible says, "And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more." A knowledge and a judgment. You know, we're told that you can never ask God to increase your love. He said, look at this. It says, this I pray that your love may abound. See, and that's why all doctrine must be based on the scripture. There are many things I was taught growing up, and I would try to quote them. So I said, no, that's not right. I said, well, that's what I thought. He said, look at this verse. But like, uh-oh. So right now as a believer, I've made it a point of duty that whatever I teach, whatever I believe, must be based on the word of God. See, because anyone who taught you whatever they taught you, we're teaching based on their revelation. See, but the Bible is there for your own revelation. For you to see it for yourself. He says, and this I pray. Paul is praying, and this is scripture. That your love may abound still more and more, watch this, in knowledge and in all discernment. Okay, Jesus, in all judgment. That means in your decision making. So when you when you are on fire for God, you have a desire for knowledge. See, if you're not desiring the word of God, you don't have the craving to listen to the word. You don't, hey, you, you've lost it. You've lost your fire. You've lost your fire. And this I pray that you love me abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Let it understand. It says that you may approve things that are excellent. 
And you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ. In other words, if you're always sinning, or you have ulterior motives, then you're not on fire. Because the fire of God cleanses and purges us from ulterior motives. Look at verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. If you're on fire for God, you'll live right. So if you're not living right, you're not on fire. Because the fire will purge the dross. That's what the Bible tells us. See, that's what the Bible tells us. The fire is what cleanses us from the dross. See that? So if you, as a, as a believer, you are not experiencing the flow, then something is wrong. Look at Proverbs 25 verse 4. It says, take away the dross from silver. It will go to the the silversmith for jewelry. In other words, if you remove the, dr the dross from silver, it's a type of redemption. See? Silver is a type of redemption. So we have been redeemed. When you got dross on you, you will not be a vessel unto honor. See, one thing you must never let happen in your life is to let your gift take you where your character will not keep you. It's dangerous. So it's so important that we make sure that the dross in our life is removed. Take away the dross on silver and we go to the silversmith for jewelry. In ladies' meeting, I was telling you, I said, there are certain things I'm watching to see that we should put in place so that certain things can be lifted. You know what I'm talking about? And we need some alterations. And guess what? It was lifted. See, because you've you got to understand that, hey, if you want to you, 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 you see God do certain things to the body of Christ, then we need to understand that everybody in the body of Christ must go before God and say, Father, if there's anything in my life hindering you, Father, watch it from me. Remove it from me. Because you don't see yourself the way God sees you. There are things in your life that are blind spots. You know, say, you did say, no, why would they tell me this? Ah, da, 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 da. Hey, but hey, God knows you better than you know yourself. Because we all have blind spots. 